brief dive into some tough stuff. We've talked over the last several weeks about some things that are hard for us, especially sometimes in the church, to talk about, to deal with, uh, to be there for one another. Oftentimes, uh, these things are stigmatized. We don't want to talk about them. Maybe we think that good, faithful Christians shouldn't have to deal with these subjects. And yet we do. We have to be real and open and honest about some of the things that we struggle with. And so we've talked about addiction and depression. And this morning we're going to talk, lastly for now, about pain. And of course, pain could be its whole own subject, a very lengthy subject. Uh, this week I was listening to a couple of um, pastors and um, professors and people talk about their thoughts on pain, and one of them said that her pastor went through a four-month series on suffering and pain. And I'm sure even after four months, although people were probably tired of hearing about pain and suffering, um, he was probably just scratching the surface of what we could say and how we could process this. The fancy theological term that will uh, be brought up sometimes is a word called theodicy. Can you say theodicy? It's not a book written by Homer. It's how we deal with the problem of evil and pain in the world. Whole books wrestling with issues of pain and how we process physical, emotional, or spiritual pain that happens in life. Whether that's dealing with physical pain or chronic pain, it could be about processing emotional pain, pain from the, the passing of a loved one or pain from a fractured relationship or pain with wrestling with some kind of brokenness. We also experience spiritual pain, wrestling with the pain of guilt or doubt, wrestling with God. And Jacob wrestles with God in the Old Testament, and it leaves him marked. He, he walks with a limp uh, always after that experience, and sometimes we wrestle with God in our own ways. Some experience spiritual pain in dealing with doubt. I don't think that doubt is necessarily a bad thing. I think it can move us to places of uh, deeper understanding, greater faith, but for some, this comes through a painful process. So as we take a look at the subject of pain this morning, would you pray with me? Jesus, may the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. Would you be present with us in this time, just as you are present with us in our pain? Amen. Even though this is the end of our uh, Tough Stuff series, and it's coming to an end for this time being, uh, this is not the end of walking with one another. Just because the sermon isn't about it doesn't mean that we're done talking about it. It doesn't mean that we don't now go and to enact that of walking with one another through times of pain. I was uh, purposeful in trying to set this series up before we get into the holiday season. 
For some, holidays are great times of joy and celebration, and yet for others, the holidays are a very tough time of remembering those that are no longer around the, the dinner table or those that are no longer present at celebrations. And so December 15th at 4.30 p.m., I want to invite you to a, a blue Christmas service that we're going to have here at Spring Creek. That'll be down in the, in the chapel. And a blue Christmas service is about recognizing that for some, uh, the holiday season is a, is a tough time. Long nights, uh, short days, and sometimes that comes over into the way we experience the holidays. It's a service to help us process our grief and our pain during the holidays. Or if you yourself maybe aren't dealing with pain or grief during this holiday season, it might be an opportunity for you to intentionally walk beside someone who is experiencing that grief or loss. So if you have friends or, or family you know are going through a hard time, invite them to come and, and sit with them and grieve with them. In the midst of darkness, we may help one another find comfort and hope in Christ. So that's December 15th at 4.30 uh, p.m. What causes pain? It's a tricky question with hard answers. As followers of Jesus, we go to the Bible to look for what causes pain. We might look in a few different places. Genesis 3, humanity chooses to rebel against God and pain is introduced into the world as humanity chooses to live outside of God's plan. You know, we often want to blame Adam and Eve for their decision and now it ruined it for the rest of us. But the truth is, is that Adam and Eve are kind of representative of the choices that we all make, right? If... Now, this sounds weird. If I were Adam, <laughs> the biblical Adam, I have no doubt that I would have at some point made very similar decisions to walk my own way. We do see pain in the Bible at times as a result of choices of individuals. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, despite being the blessed patriarchs of God's people all experienced relational pain between spouses, children, neighbors, and more, often because of poor choices on their part to not tell whole truths or to favor certain children over other children. There's all kinds of pain that these families experience as a result of choices. At times in Scripture, we see pain is about the testing or growing in faithfulness. And the story of Job begins with a wager between God and Satan. Job experiences loss of family, property, wealth, eventually even his own health. And Job is a, is a tough book for us with not easy, simple answers as to why bad things happen. Other times in Scripture, pain is experienced without us being given a clear reason why. Here in our Scripture this morning, in 2 Corinthians 12, 
Paul's talking about boasting. Uh, the Corinthian church seems to have had a lack of respect for Paul. They wanted a dynamic speaker who came in and had all the right arguments, and he could go and he could have a philosophical argument with the Greeks, and, and he could just speak really well and just bring people into the church because of the way he preached, because of the way this speaker preached. They had a lack of respect for Paul because Paul wasn't the dynamic speaker they wanted. He says in some of his uh, letters to the Corinthians that he didn't come with great words, but simply with the message of Christ and him crucified. And here in our text, Paul says he was given some kind of infliction, which he was, and which he says is to keep him from getting too proud. I mentioned with the kids, we're not exactly sure what that ailment or affliction was <clears throat> for Paul. Um, some think it, it was possibly a speech problem that interfered with his uh, ability to be a public speaker. Uh, maybe it was an issue with his eyes, since elsewhere Paul, um, Paul doesn't write his own letters. He dictates them to a scribe who writes them down. Except in a few places, Paul says, see what big letters I have to use. I'm taking pen in my own hand to write this message to you. And so some think maybe Paul had an issue with his eyes. It may have been other pain that Paul dealt with. He talks about wrestling with the old man inside of him or being drawn to do the things that he doesn't want to do. And so maybe it was this kind of pain that Paul wrestled with, affliction that he wanted removed. He may have continued to deal with the guilt of his earlier life as Saul. Remember, in Saul's the beginning of his life, he was involved in tracking down followers of Jesus and throwing them in prison, and he was there and present and approving of Stephen's death when Stephen was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and Saul was there approving of it. We don't know exactly what Paul was dealing with. But what we see here is three times Paul asked God to remove whatever this affliction is. God doesn't just take it away. Instead, God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for power. Or some versions say, my power is made perfect in weakness. It's in Paul's weakness that God can be present and bring strength beyond Paul's ability. The Corinthians wanted a dynamic speaker to draw in crowds, and Paul says, I mean nothing. I know Jesus, and let me show you the power of Jesus. And I think this reflects the example of the early disciples in the early church. They were not great, strong people, dynamic people. They were weak, pained, messed up people who were open to the Spirit. And the Spirit filled them with real strength. And Paul says, so if I'm going to boast in anything, it's that I'm nothing and God is doing amazing things despite me being nothing. He boasts in his weakness. It's all God. See what God is doing. 
But let's be honest about us this morning. Most of us who are dealing with pain, whether that is physical, emotional, psychological, or spiritual pain, most of us have no interest in being a big name public speaker. We just want relief from whatever pain we are experiencing. And pain is part of the human experience. Gene Estes says, suffering is not optional. We will suffer. And she says the two questions that we have to ask when we go through suffering is do we allow healing to come or do we inflict our pain on others? We can get into a dangerous place when we go overboard in trying to figure out, trying to identify why someone is experiencing pain. If someone loses a, a loved one, sometimes we say things like, well, God has a plan. Or God will work all things out for good. And there's some truth in that. But I think mostly we're just trying to make ourselves feel better, to solve the immediate problem, and to make everyone happy. Or someone is experiencing some kind of illness or disease. And even today in the church, we want to try and identify what kind of life choices led to this. But for the one who is wrestling with pain, I'm not sure that leads towards healing. It's enough for me. And I'm somebody who wants to know all the answers. I want to know and figure it all out. i got to have a reason for everything. But sometimes, for me, it has to be enough to know that we experience pain. I don't always know why, and I don't believe God causes pain. But I also know that God meets with us in our pain. You know, some other faiths are about escaping pain. Some other religions are about escaping pain. Or pain comes as the result of cosmic karma or something like that. But in Scripture, God sees his people and his creation in pain and turmoil. And God doesn't just step back and say, see, I told you so. I told you it was going to happen. You made those mistakes, you made those choices, and now you're going to live with it. God steps in and suffers and experiences pain, the full weight of sin and suffers death. Jesus, who is fully God and fully human, doesn't escape pain, but intentionally enters into the worst of it. And most of us like a victorious, triumphant God, and God is certainly that. But God is also a God who suffers, who is grieved and has pain. In Scripture, God even has regrets. Not that God made a mistake, but God regrets the result that we make, the method that we make of things. I have in your notes uh, several places where um, God has a regret or says, I'm sorry I even did this. God is acquainted with pain. 
And so I wonder if pain is not a place for us to meet with God. We don't have to go looking for pain. In different, different places in church history, there's been people who've said, you know, I want to meet with God, and so I need to experience pain, and so I need to inflict pain on myself. And that, to me, sounds, first of all, weird and terribly, terribly wrong. I don't have to inflict pain on myself. It finds me. But when we feel that pain, when we experience that pain, we have an opportunity to be with God. And so I wonder if this isn't the deeper truth of Paul's statement. God says, Paul, when you experience that pain, I'm there. My goodness and my grace are there in the midst of your pain. And so I wonder if we try to rush through the experience of pain in our world. We've developed all kinds of ways of trying to help folks get rid of pain. Physical, emotional, psychological, or spiritual pain. We have all kinds of things to distract us from the pain, whatever that pain is. Watching TV can be a distraction from pain. Being over-involved in everything that comes across our schedule can be a way of escaping pain. It struck me this week that for most of human history, we've not had the kind of pain medicine that we have today. And so people had to learn to deal with pain. And many of us, I will say myself included, don't cope well with pain. I was sitting down writing most of my sermon on Thursday, and I came into the, the office, and I had a sinus headache. That's not unusual for me. I usually take a couple ibuprofen. A couple minutes later, it's gone. I started writing the sermon, and I reached for my ibuprofen, and I thought, nope, we're going to write the sermon with a headache. And so if any part doesn't make sense, I'm going to blame it on that. I rushed through that experience. We, we still have people who deal with chronic pain. And they're some of the strongest people I know who have to wrestle with that day in and day out. You know, a couple of years ago, there was a, a book written on evangelism, sharing our faith. It was called, One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. And this week I was thinking about, you know, I think there's maybe something else that we can't do in heaven, and that's experience pain. In our experience of pain, I wonder if this is an opportunity to catch a glimpse, a small glimpse of what Christ did on the cross. Taking sin into himself and dying on the cross for the sin of the world. And maybe I am privileged with a few glimpses into the pain that he bore for me. Like I said, this week I listened to numerous theologians and pastors talk about pain and suffering. I watched one of a professor and theologian processing his faith while he lay in bed on hospice care. 
I listened to a young woman, Rachel Held Evans, who you'll see in a moment, talk about pain and the, the practice of anointing. Rachel died this past May at the age of 37. I listened to Jean Estes, a grandmother who was processing her grief of losing a grandchild and in this, this situation that happened in her own life. She said her and her, her daughter's mother-in-law were given the task of going and finding an outfit for this grandchild for the, for the funeral service. These two grandmothers are just in grief walking through the store and Somebody, one of the clerks in the store, finds out what's happening, why they're there. She says, hold on a moment. I'll be right back. She goes back into the back and just brings out, she said, the most perfect outfit. She said, can I give this to you? Can I give you a hug? Can I be with you right now? And Jean says, you know, during this time, I crawled down into a hole, and I didn't want to come out. And what was helpful was not people trying to pull me or push me out of that hole, but people who were willing to crawl into the hole with me and allow me to move through my grief, and when I was ready to climb out myself. But there were people who were willing to be there with me in my grief. Throughout this Tough Stuff series, the main thing I wanted to have us understand is that the need of the church to be with one another in hard times. Bad things happen, and I don't have all the answers why. Nobody has all the answers why. The fall, choices, accidents, I don't know. And, you know, for a long time I thought pastoral care or, or being with people in pain was about trying to provide answers or to give a cure. And I've learned that it's more about presence with those in the valley or in the pit or in the hole. Jesus enters into the pit. He suffers and bleeds, and it's physical, it's emotional, it's psychological, it's spiritual anguish for Jesus on the cross. And the way of Jesus for us, I think, is to help, is to step into the places of pain with others and for others, pointing to Jesus. You know, at Spring Creek, we continue the, the practice of anointing for those in pain. And so for a moment, I want you to see how Rachel Held Evans talks about anointing as commissioning. Let's watch together. Thank you. 
morning after the postlude. I'm going to remain front. If you're on a, a journey through pain, physical, emotional, relational, whatever, I'd like to commission you and acknowledge that journey through anointing, not for a cure, but for healing. As we close our service this morning, I invite you to rise in body or spirit and uh, to turn in your blue hymnal to number 599, He Leadeth Me. Would you rise? <laughs> 